Every church family has their way of outreach. Some do homeless outreaches. Some do community outreaches. Some are involved in, in awesome teaching and, and all kinds of instruction. Lots of things that, that make up different church families. But one thing needs to be at the core of every church family that exists, and that's a love for this book. How many brought your books with you today? <laughs> Amen. You know, I love my iPhone because it has the Bible in it. Oh my, I love, I, I, have, I have about eight or nine translations in, in uh, my, my iPhone, and I can take notes there. And so if you see me in a service, uh, like I see the brother back there with his iPhone, he's got the Bible there too, right? There you go. He's not texting his friends or anything. He's actually there listening. And it's an awesome tool. I love it. I love technology, but I love the Lord a lot more. And, and uh, can't wait to get to heaven. Who's, who knows what's going to be up there? <laughs> but I want to share with you, first of all, a scripture. Um, in Isaiah 66, we have a couple PowerPoints I'm just going to put up just so we can see it. You know, there are different translations of the Bible. And one of the things Pastor Rod was sharing with us in these uh, past weeks is, is, is that the Bible is God's Word. I love one phrase he said. He said, the Bible is not a science book, but everything it says about science is true. Right? The Bible is not a history book, but everything it says about history is true. I love that. That's what this Word is. It's the center. And it's not just a book written down on, uh, on paper. These words are living. In so and Psalms it says, Thy word is forever settled in heaven. When you sit down, and, and I'm going I'm to talk about different expressions, ex experiences we have with God's word. When you sit down with the word of God, you're not just opening up a favorite book, you know, like a, or, or looking into, a, you know, a reader's digest or reading the newspaper. This is a living book and it speaks. Can you say amen? It speaks to us. It's an awesome thing. You know, I, I maybe you've had the experience. I know myself, um, I grew up, um, and all of you know my mom over here. Stand up, mom. Just I'm going to introduce you to this. I, I just wanted to embarrass her. That's all. Y'all know her. <laughs> that's my mom. And my sister Beth is here. I'm not going to make her stand now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, growing up, we grew up in, in a Lutheran church, Emmanuel Lutheran. How many know where that's at in New Philadelphia? That's where we grew up. Grew up. Uh, I grew up, you know, saying my prayers before I go to bed. My we would say the Our Father who art in heaven, and now I lay me down to sleep. And we did those things uh, religiously and, and, and uh, grew up with, you know, God, I think God gave my, my mother, my grandparents were, were, were devoted to Christians and the Lutheran church. My great-grandfather had a born-again experience. That's an interesting thing. Uh, one of his favorite expressions, my grandpa Isaac, great-grandpa Isaac's favorite expression was, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. But growing up in church, you know, I thought I was a Christian. I thought going there and just being there made me a Christian. But I realized, and I, I would read the Bible. I, I read the New Testament several times before I really met the living Word of God, Jesus. I thought I was a Christian. In fact, one time I was invited by some friends uh, to go to their church and uh, at, while I was there at one of their, it was actually a youth party at a church where they really believed in being born again and having an experience with the Lord. And, and uh, one of the, the youth leader came over and said, oh, um, David, um, he sat down next to me, says, 
I, I hear, um, uh, so you're a Christian, uh, and you've been born again. And I didn't know what to say. I didn't even know what born again was. But my friend who was there with me says, oh, yeah, he's born again. He's Christian. So I said, okay, I must be then. <laughs> I didn't know the difference. I, yeah, I think she was, she was embarrassed that she had a friend there that wasn't saved or something. I don't know. But I thought I was a Christian. I really did. I remember going to some retreats, and uh, I remember uh, watching someone up front singing, and I heard my friend say, boy, that guy is really on fire for the Lord. And I said, boy, you know, I think I want to be on fire for the Lord too. But I wasn't even saved. I didn't know anything about saved or being born again. And I'd go to their churches, and they would have altar calls. Well, in the Lutheran church, we didn't have altar calls, at least the one I went to. And uh, they had altar calls. I go, what is that? You know. And I felt this tugging in my heart to go forward to the altar call when they were calling. And I was going to say, I, said, I asked my friend, I said, should I go? And he said, uh, no, no, that's for people that aren't saved. So I thought, okay, I guess I don't need to go up. And so I kind of just, I would say that prayer. I'd say, Jesus, come in my heart. I used to pray that before I went to bed for, for several months. I got involved in a Christian singing group before I was saved. And we went around playing, and I would watch my friends talk about how much they loved Jesus, and they'd give their testimonies. And I'd say, boy, I wish I had one of those. <laughs> but it wasn't real in my heart yet. But I remember one night, I was, they had, began having Bible studies. I went to a Bible study. It was over on Front and Sixth in New Philly, a little house there. And they were having Bible studies there. And they were talking about how they knew if they died, they would go to heaven. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. How, how do you guys know you're good enough to go to heaven? And they looked at me, and they realized, he's not born again. <laughs> and they shared the message of salvation with me, explained to me that it's just a matter of, you, you ask Jesus, he's already died for our sins. It's not how good you are as to how do you get to heaven. It's nothing to do with that. If it was how good you were, if that's what qualified you to get to heaven, then why would Jesus have to die? He wouldn't have had to. What, he, all he had to do is give us some commandments and tell us how to be nice people. Of course, that's worked real well, hasn't it? <laughs> but he, 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 he would have had to die if we could just be good enough to go to heaven. No, he came because in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, of whom I'm one. Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. What a revelation to come to the cross and realize, well, I've tried to be good, tried to be good. All of a sudden realizing, I am the chief of sinners, an enemy of God inside of me. But when I asked Jesus into my heart that night, they, I, they, didn't, they, they told me about salvation. They told me how to pray, but they didn't pray with me. It was kind of interesting. They told me, I went home that night and I prayed. I said, Jesus, I want that. Just a simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. I want to be born again. And I remember that night, life came. I know one of the first things that blessed me was when I looked at the Bible, it was like, I think I hear someone speaking. <laughs> I think this book is alive. It's real. A few months later, I got baptized in water and came out of the water speaking in tongues. And at that point, you know, when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, the Holy Spirit's what's inspired this word. When he lives inside of us, moving and working, he opens these words and makes them alive. How many have had the experience where you've read the same verse a million and one times, all of a sudden it's like, well, who rewrote that verse? It's brand new. It's like it's got legs and it jumps out of the Bible and it wants to come right inside of you. The Bible is a living book. Can you say amen? It's a living book. It's a wonderful book. 
And, and what I want to share today is that our relationship with this book as individuals and also as a church is key for what God is doing in these last days, in this church age that we're living in, this time when God is preparing a bride, when it's time when God is preparing his church, in this time, the last days that are upon us. It's a key for us to have a relationship with the word of God. Amen? And this first verse I want us to look at, it says this. It says, thus saith the Lord, heaven is my throne. Can you read it with me? Heaven is the throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word, and who trembles, quakes, it says in one translation, quakes. How many Quakers do we have here? That's dangerous, right? (laughs) I'm sorry, I grew up in New Philly, so I know the Quaker tornado kind of a situation going on. Been away from it for about 30 years, so I'm not all into it, but, but I know what goes on here in this place. But Quakers, those who quake, those who tremble at God's word, those who respect it, those who love it. All kinds of people can have their, they can have mega churches. They can have all kinds of success in ministry. But if it's not something where something being developed in the people is a love for God's word, then we're missing out altogether in what God is doing. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to take you to a second verse here, Matthew 13. Matthew 13. And I, I have a little illustration I want to share with you, if you don't mind. Um, my, I got my... I have three assistants, lovely assistants over here that are going to help me. Um, Matthew 13, 33. How many of you have made bread before? Okay, not with a bread maker. Really made bread. Okay, okay. <laughs> I've only made bread in a bread maker. And uh, I, I love good bread. I love to put all kinds of stuff in there. I've tried, I put about everything possible inside that bread. I just love to make bread. But uh, it's an interesting process. And one of the key ingredients to bread is what happens right here in this verse, is yeast, or here it uses the word leaven. Can you read this? I like it when we read the word out loud together. In some, I've done this in some Spanish churches, and some Spanish churches have a custom that every time the pastor reads a verse, everybody has to stand up. And I realized after I'd read my, my 14th verse in that congregation, they were getting tired of going up and down, so... Um, but uh, uh, let's just read it together, shall we? Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all, <coughs> until it was all leaven. Okay, we're making some bread up here. Okay, and uh, what I want to do, I'm, I, it, it's, I think it's kind of unique that it says three measures of meal. This was a scripture that was shared with me just shortly after I got saved. And the idea that the kingdom of heaven, okay, uh, the kingdom of heaven is, is uh, not s- just some place we're going to go. The kingdom of heaven is what's taking place down inside of us first. How many understand that? When you read the New Testament and you understand that, a lot of scriptures make a lot more sense. Jesus says, for instance, thy kingdom, what? Come. I'm, I'm, forgive me if I revert to King James. That's uh, that's the language Paul spoke in anyway, isn't it? 
Um, but I, I've kind of, I kind of get stuck in King James mode. I, I, I like the these and the thous. I, that's just something, something with it sticks with me. Not that I think is better. I love all the translations and I have a f- few different ones I'm using today. But, but, uh, the, he says, thy, the Lord's prayer is thy kingdom, what? Come. Not thy kingdom, that's where I'm going, but thy kingdom, come. What's the next phrase? Thy, will be done. That's what happens when a kingdom comes. It's because there's a king that we're bowing to, that we're giving lordship to. And so the kingdom of heaven coming inside of us. Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. He can't even comprehend it, can't even begin to experience it. That new birth is absolutely essential. But once we're born again, something that's kind of key is what's the, what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus spoke in parables, the very first parable he said, and he, he told his disciples, unless you understand this parable, you'll have difficulty understanding all the other parables. And that was a parable about the sower and the seed. And what is the seed? The word of God. If we don't get that first concept that what God is doing in our life has nothing to do with this pile of dirt that we are. How many realize we're just a pile of dirt? Right? Not much more than that. Sometimes it dirt even smells and stinks and everything, but that's all that we are. But guess what? When the seed of God's word comes inside, there's power. Sometimes we think we've got to make the word of God work. It doesn't seem like that's what new covenant believers do. He says, I will put my laws in your heart. I will put them in your minds. I will cause you to walk in my statutes. The old covenant was, they told Moses, they gave the conditions to Moses when he came down from the mountain. Hey, and by the way, did you know that God spoke all Ten Commandments from the mountaintop? He spoke them before they were written down. Did you know that? Because he had said, I want you to hear my voice. So when the people heard his voice, then they said, oh, no, Moses, we're going to die hearing God's voice. You just go up and listen and Come back and tell us, and we'll do it, Moses. Whatever you say, we're going to do it. Well, God says, sad, sad day, it says, on God's part. He said, oh, that there was such a heart in them. He let them have that new covenant establishment that says, old covenant, I'm sorry, old covenant, where God says, okay, here's the law. You figure out how to do it. Sometimes we live like that, even though we're in the new covenant. We live like old covenant people, where we hear what's supposed to be done, boy, we just want to try to do what the pastor said this week. I'm really going to try to put it in works. But you know, that's not what seed and ground and dirt and leaven and yeast and dough and all these things is all about. What this is all about is that the power is in the leaven. The power is in the seed. The to fulfill itself. God's word has the DNA to fulfill itself and make us like Christ all by itself. Can you say amen? It's a powerful word. It does that. In this illustration, I want to show you this, this thought about the kingdom of heaven. The, when, when the word just comes inside of us, it says it's like a woman who hid leaven in three lumps of dough. Well, I, I, um, we got three lumps. What I, I actually should have done is had each one of them have three lumps, but that's a lot of dough, and you know how price of dough these days, you know. I don't have that much dough to pay for dough. So anyway, the, the, so, you know, but I like the idea that it does say three lumps because I believe that speaks that when the kingdom of heaven comes in, it's not just a supernatural, mystical, hidden, secret kind of a thing that goes on and whoa, but it's also not just spirit, it's soul and body. How many know your body needs to submit to the lordship of Jesus? 
your emotions, every part of you. So three lumps. But I have three up here because I'm going to show you. I want to try to illustrate something here. Is that what this woman did is she took the yeast. Let's get the yeast going here. And she put yeast in three lumps of dough. Or two. Well, we're going to just do two. Here's a lump of dough. This is poor Priscilla here. And she thinks that she can just mold herself into a nice bread dough and it's all going to work out fine. She doesn't need that yeast. She can do it by herself. How many think that's going to happen? One time I made some bread and I forgot the leaven. Guess what I ended up with? Giant cracker, right? Giant cracker, right? Okay. So, you know, we don't want to be cracker Christians, okay? We want, okay, but we know, and, and the funny thing is, here, look at her working. Stand up here, show, show them what you're doing to that. How many have ever shaken hands with a pizzeria guy? Anybody done? I know a couple, I know a man, a Penzo's Pizza, I know a guy that makes the pizza. I saw him do it. Boy, when you shake his hand, you feel like, okay, <laughs> right? They know how to do it, right? Well, here she is. She's working real hard, and she's going to work. You just keep on working on that, okay? Just, just keep on working. Okay, but this, this person here, She's going to put some leaven in her bread. Let's go put, we got the leaven there. Okay. And, and she's going to hide it, hide it in there just a little bit. She's going to hide it. Okay, there she goes. But she doesn't want to go through all that messy squashing and squishing and twisting and hitting and flipping. And doesn't want, I mean, why go through all that? Can't we just be happy? Can't we just be happy? They're going to steal the show from us here. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's what happens when you get lovely assistance, right? But, um, but she, she wants, she doesn't, why do you, you don't want to go through all that. I mean, Christians have to suffer. What's all that? That's another kind of a thing. We, we just want to be, live happy and enjoy life. And so she's just going to, she's got her 11. She's happy. She knows, you know, when she dies, she's going to go to heaven. She's got, got it all. Just enjoy life. You don't need all that stuff, do you? I mean, why get involved in church? When you get involved in church, people start pressing you. And, you know, you ask to be used, be useful in church, and then you get abused instead. So you don't want all that stuff. Just, just that leaven is there. You, you save. You know you die. You go, everything's wonderful. So she's good. One time, I was making some bread, and one thing I forgot to put in the bread maker. I don't know how to make bread like a lot of the women do here, but just the bread maker works for me. I forgot to put that little thing down in the bottom that spins it around. Okay, I did put the leaven. It was in there, you know, and I, it was all the ingredients were there. So when I came back after three and a half hours, oh, it smelled so good. But guess what? I had again another cracker. Right? I got a collection of crackers. So, okay, so so um, this is not going to work. She's still she's going through the, all this stuff and she's working hard trying to produce. And here we got the third person. I think she knows what she's doing. She's put the leaven in there. Why don't you stand up and show them what you got there? She's got the leaven in there. She's hiding it. She's, that's it. There you go. Guess what's going to happen when that goes into the oven? It's going to be some bread, right? I don't know if we use the right flour or not, so we're not going to try it with these. But, but something else is going to happen. You know what happens? In, in, in just a while, I don't think we'll, I don't know if we'll see it today or not, but uh, in, in a while, what's going to happen with this one? Oh, that's going to be exciting. But how many women can tell me what, we, what you do when, after you've seen it rise? What's, what's the next thing you do? You punch it down again. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like God has brought you to a place of, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. And guess what happens? Give it a good punch. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, not again. I was doing so well. And then 
smashed down, but what does it do the second time? It rises again, right? Can you say amen? So we don't want to be cracker Christians. I think this poor, this poor lady here, it may smell good in the bread maker, but uh, it's going to be a cracker. And this person will be still working. What's, what's happening? It's not going to rise at all, is it? All the work she's putting in it, it's not going to accomplish anything. It's going to be another cracker, right? All right, so there we go. Give them a hand. <laughs> you know, let's read this verse again. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of mill till it was all leaven. It's that hiding process, that hiding and mixing that's so important to let God do that in our lives. You know, I want to give you, I want to share something today. What, one of the things that Pastor Rod did last week, how many remember the, the special show that was put on by, by little Lillian back there? How many remember that? Oh, I got tears in my eyes. You know, when you see parents raising their children in the ways of the Lord, that's awesome, isn't it? You're putting the Word of God in them. It's one thing just to teach a child, and another thing to train a child, but especially putting the Word in your children is so important. A little bit of leaven, it'll begin to grow. Can you say amen? Uh, the next verse, I want to look at Psalm 1, if we could, uh, from what Pastor Rod shared last week. And this, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate, how often? Day and night. I love that. And, I, and look, at the, look at the promise that's here. We're just going to say amen to this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Say this last this word here with me. Whatsoever. Say that again whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And I want to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 also. This was an, a very important portion of Scripture, even today for the Jews. It's that part where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And the, oftentimes we just stop with that next verse. Let's read the first, part, first two verses together there. Oh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now, listen to this. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And the next verse goes right on to say, and thou shalt what? Teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Is there anything missing in that verse? Nothing. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. What was the Lord just telling them in the previous verse? Love the Lord your God, how? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Jesus adds, adds in the New Testament, with all your mind. He adds that to it in the Gospels. But how do we do that? Just sing love songs to him all day long? Well, that's a good thing too. How do we do it? By teaching the Word of God diligently. It's our love for that Word that shows Him our love for, for who He is. Can you say amen to that? You agree with me so far? All right. Um, I want to go to the, the idea of loving the Word, cherishing the Word. How many here have tried memorizing Scripture? Yeah. 
a lot of people say, oh, now, nah, come on. That's what they used to do a long time ago. We don't do that today. We're modern Christian. <laughs> Some people say, I don't know how to memorize things. Well, the fact is, it's not really whether you can memorize or not. It's the time you take trying. Do you understand what I was saying? It's the time you take trying to memorize. Even if you have, you know, the, the if you forget the verse by the next day, but the time you spent just chewing on that word, meditating day and meditating on just the time taken. Um, when I was in India, I had uh, I was there for six months. One of the th- I had a lot of a lot more free time than when I was back here in the states. So uh, while we were traveling around, I thought there's one thing I really wanted to try to do, and that was to memorize a few verses in the Bible. So I chose Psalms 119. They're laughing. You know how many verses? How many knows how many verses in Psalms? 176 verses. Okay, so and I really I did I, I I took time and I went through each of the sections of that psalm and I committed it to memory, which about a few weeks afterwards I already forgot. But the time I had in that psalm, trying to commit it to memory, trying to consider the words and memorizing it, it did something special in my heart. Even today, when I read through Psalms 119, I think. This is a wonderful psalm. It's right in the middle of the Bible. Did you know that? Actually, Psalms 118 is the exact center of chapters in the Bible. Psalms 119 is right after it. It's the largest chapter in the Bible. What's it all about? It's all about loving God's Word. You know what's interesting? Um, Is that the law that Moses gave in Deuteronomy 17, he said uh, said that God told them to, to make this, establish this as a law, that any king that would rule over Israel, the first thing he had to do, you can read it in Deuteronomy 17, the first thing the king had to do was to write his own copy of the Scriptures. Just try writing Psalms 119 one day, or one week, or however long it takes. But they would do that. They would write their own. And I think as, as the psalmist was, was uh, in Psalms 119, what an awesome portion of Scripture, just about the love that was there for God's Word. I want to talk also one more thing here about, um, I want to take you to 1 Samuel, if you can go to that scripture for me. In 1 Samuel, I want to talk to you about two aspects. Right? Let's just talk right now about reading, memorizing, having a relationship that way, with becoming familiar with God's language. Like little babies. You know, that little baby comes home, it doesn't know what you're talking about. You can give it a whole lecture about the way it's supposed to behave when it grows up. That child has no idea. But you know what's happening as you're talking to that child? It's becoming familiar with your voice, isn't it? Taking time in God's Word just helps us to become familiar with the voice of our Heavenly Father, getting to know His language, getting to know how He speaks. And the time will come when the Holy Spirit takes those words and blesses us with them. But I want to talk about something, another aspect of our relationship with God's Word, and that's the hearing of God's Word. And the story of Samuel is very interesting. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it talks about this little boy, Samuel. His mother came and brought him to the temple, and because he had been an answer to her prayer, she dedicated him to the service of the Lord. And Samuel, as a little boy, grew up in the house of the Lord and said he actually slept very, very close to the ark of God. 
But one thing it tells us in the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 3 is that Samuel did not yet know the word of the Lord. That's an interesting expression. He did not yet know the word of the Lord. So one night, Samuel sleeping, he had been serving the priest at that time. His name was Eli. Eli was a very heavy man. And we have fun with that in children's church. We talk about how heavy Eli, the kids love that part. But he was a heavy man. And he really, he really just didn't have a whole lot of discernment. Uh, he, his own children weren't walking right. But he was there. He was the anointed. He was the priest. So Samuel's lying down one night, and all of a sudden he hears a voice. Samuel, Samuel, what did Samuel do? Who remembers? Where did he run to? Who did he run to? He ran to Eli. What? It was God calling him. But why do you think he ran to Eli? Why do you think? You know what I think? I think the voice sounded like Eli's voice. Eli had learned to hear the word through Eli, even though that man had his problems. He had learned obedience. Well, when he, he ran to Eli, Eli says, Kid, I was right in the middle of a good dream. Get back to bed. I didn't call you. Well, Samuel lies down. He hears the voice again. Samuel, Samuel. What does he do? He runs to Eli again. Here I am. You called. Eli says, What is wrong with you, kid? Go back to bed. Well, he lies down the third, you know, third. Actually, Samuel, Eli says, Listen, let me tell you something. Before you hear that voice again, I want to tell you what to do. When you hear the Lord calling you, I want you to say something different. It's the Lord speaking to you. So here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, speak, for your servant is listening. Say that with me. Speak, for your servant is listening. And what happened? Well, it says in verse 10, it says, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. And what did Samuel say? Speak, for thy servant heareth. I like the way it says in the Young's uh, uh, translation. It says, and Jehovah cometh and stationeth himself. <laughs> Sometimes God stations himself right next to you. But the moment Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening, in that moment he was able to recognize. And from that point on, he was able to recognize the voice of the Lord. How many realize that God uses people to give us hearing tests? You understand what I'm saying? He uses people to give us hearing tests. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to wake up every day and have God speak with this thundering, loud light voice with lightning and thunder and, you know, clear, loud voice, it's God talking to you? That'd be nice like that. But you know what he's chosen to do? He's chosen to use people to speak to us on many, many occasions. How many recognize that? How many are here because someone spoke to you the word of God and you got saved? Yeah. He uses people to give us hearing tests. And if you look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, it says this, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you, what? Heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, 
the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. How many come to church really expecting God's going to speak to you? You know, so many times we, we come and if we like the message, we say, well, that was the Lord, right? If it didn't like it, well, the pastor's talking about me again. It's not the Lord anymore. It's the, it's the pastor talking about me. What is that? Devil knows how to rob the preciousness of God's word. When we learn to receive the word of God, you know, one evidence, one clear evidence that you're receiving the word of God as from God and not from man is this. It doesn't matter if you've heard that same Bible study before. It's fresh to you. Can you say amen? Because the difference is this. If we're just hearing the word with our intellect and sitting with our physical ears hearing it, if that's all we're, if that's our relationship with God's word, once you've heard it, it's enough. Now there might be some books you want to read more than one time. There may be some movies you want to see more than one time. But it's still, you get familiar with it. It's, you know, it's, it's all, it's all, I know. I think we've watched Father of the Bride about 18,000 times. Now it's, now it's becoming too real. But some things you keep on watching, but you know, it's still a familiar thing. And if we're hearing the word just with our natural ears and our natural intellect, that word is not going to perform its work in us. King James says, it effectually worketh in you. I like that too. Effectually works. When does the word effectually work? When we receive, when we hear the words... Not as the word of men, but as it really is the word of God. Then it works in us. One clear sign, let me say it once again, one clear evidence that you've learned how to hear God's word is that you can hear the same message again and again and by, by the same person maybe. And it's fresh. There's something new in it. There's another element of life for you. How many have experienced that? How many know what I'm talking about? Right? And so that, that's one of the keys that our spirit's listening. When we're in a message, we say, oh, I've heard this before. Whoa. Turn off the mind a little bit. Let the heart start listening. And you'll be surprised what you can hear. Can you say amen? Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. He had heard the word. He didn't yet know the word of the Lord. He had heard the word. He had become familiar to obey what was being spoken to him, but it hadn't been real to him until he said, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. So important for us to receive the word as it really is, because it will begin to work in us. Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3. It's an awesome, awesome two chapters before the end time events get explained. But in chapter 2 and chapter 3, there are seven different churches. And I like to refer, I think that's a beautiful revelation of what church family is all about. There's, they were individual church families. It wasn't like this church represents this and that church. They were just churches and church families that had individual situations. And Jesus was speaking to that church family something unique for that church family. Very important. Now, just suppose one of the Ephesus believers was over at Leo, was over at the Philadelphia church, and he heard a message over there and said, wow, boy, that preacher at Philadelphia, he really knows how to bring the word. He was speaking some awesome things to us, and he comes back to his home church. Boy, I heard an awesome message over there in Philadelphia. 
What happened over here? Oh, the pastor told us we lost our first love. Oh, boy, I was glad I was in Philadelphia last week. Wait a minute. What church family do you belong to? How many understand? You see? What church family do you belong to? That was a nice message, and you were over there. God speaks through Wherever you go, he'll speak. But becoming part of a church family, you see, it's the word that really brings that unity to us. When we begin to hear together, what is the Lord saying to us? It's not a matter of how good the message was here or what that message was over there. It's what is God speaking to our church family? What does he want from us? And it says very clearly, at the end of each one of those messages, it says this, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches. It says plural there, to the churches, to his people, to his bride. So these two things I want to leave you with today. First of all, just taking time to become familiar with God's word because it has power, like that yeast. Let it get inside of you and start doing its work in you. How we read, how we take time, what we're hearing on Wednesday nights, how to study the word, how to become familiar with it. It's something, it's the living word. It's Jesus himself, who is the word of God, Jesus. And the second thing is, how are we hearing? Are we, how are we, are we passing God's hearing tests when he speaks to us? Are we recognizing, hey, that's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. Amen. God bless you all. Our young people that was in Sunday school this morning, you can hear some of the same things that we talked about in Sunday school this morning with what you talked about, about Paul when he said to Timothy, you need to get into the Word, pay attention, give attention to the Word. And uh, I told our young people this morning as we spoke, you'll hear me say that over and over and over again, that the Word is so important. There's a However you do it, whether it's a verse a day or a chapter a day or a psalm or a proverb or reading through the Bible in a year, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, a guide back there that you can do that. Thank you, Pastor David, for encouraging us again. The Word is so important. The Word of God is our owner's manual. It's, just, it's, it's who we are to be. Christ gives us that right there in the Word. and We just need to read it. We just need to... Uh, how many of you are going to go out to lunch today? Or you're going to go home and eat something? Come on. Everybody? Yeah? Yeah? Everybody going to go eat? Well, we've got to eat the Word of God. We've got to take the Word of God into our heart. We should be as diligent doing that as we are with our physical food. Amen? In fact, the spiritual food will get us to heaven. The physical food usually just gets us fat, you know. Father, thank you for the Word of God.